Welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon in the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. You're listening to episode 108 of Process to Profitability. Today, I'm talking about three hard truths that seven-figure influencers aren't telling you with Ellen McElveen. We dive into three different things that you might not know about seven-figure businesses that you've been looking up to online, including why you might actually be more profitable than they are, why they probably don't have it figured out, and why a seven-figure launch might not be the thing that you're actually looking for. This episode is really great because Ellen works with all kinds of businesses and she's seen the back end and so she knows what people are actually experiencing and the reality behind all of those really awesome Instagram posts that we see. Ellen helps entrepreneurs like you simplify your CEO life so that you can reach your vision without the burnout. She does this through strategic mapping, accountability, and systems. She is an operations and efficiency expert and the founder of One Less Thing Management. She has worked with businesses to improve their operations and map strategies for more than 10 years. She pulls her experience from working with Oracle, Cox Business, Gebbin Communications, Tamsin Webster, the YMCA, UNC Chapel Hill, and more to deliver top-notch solutions to simplify and scale your business. She's on a mission to eradicate the outstanding number of failing businesses and does so with the One Less Thing framework, which we'll talk about more in this episode. Ellen lives in Springfield, Missouri with her husband, Scott, and son, Gideon. If you enjoy this episode, I'd love it if you could share it with a friend so that they can listen as well. And we always appreciate if you leave a rating and review on iTunes to let other people find the show. Hi, Ellen. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Samantha. I'm so glad to be here. So I read your bio at the top of the show, but I'd love it if you'd tell listeners a little bit more about who you are, where you're from, and what you do in your business. Yes. So my name is Ellen McElveen, and I help simplify CEO lives so that you reach your vision without the burnout. So I do this with strategic mapping systems and accountability. Um, I am from North Carolina. I'm currently living in Missouri. And I'm moving to Philadelphia. So I've had a long history of living all over the world and in a lot of different places. And um, my business helps me be able to navigate that. So that's been pretty awesome. I'm the founder of One Less Thing Management, and I run the Simplify My CEO Life blog. Um, I believe that systems are an integral solution to running a sustainable and profitable company. And I love helping business owners do this. I'm a wife, I'm a mom, and I'm a follower of Christ. Awesome. So how did you get started doing what you do? Yeah, so it's a, it's a bit of a messy history in the beginning. Um, I used to really just work in a ton of different industries. I worked as a cook. I worked as um, an interpreter. I've worked in universities and housing and as office managers. I mean, it was all over the place in the beginning. I was a construction manager, and I started really wondering where my like what was my purpose I couldn't figure out what I exactly wanted to do and so through working with someone who really just started asking me what were those specific things in each of those jobs that I loved doing I realized it was came down to systems 
um, implementing strategy and just improving the operations of a business. So fast forward years, um, I finally came across the online space. I was still kind of trying to figure out how do I really just focus in on helping companies run more efficiently? How can I help them so that they know how to reach their visions and do it as best as they can? Um, so I worked as a VA, a content manager, an OBM, a project manager, and then eventually came to really niche down to what I love doing most. And so I'm now an operations and efficiency expert. Um, and so I've really stripped away a lot of the implementation of all the things like running people's social media and doing, you know, email and all that. I've had experience in it, so it allows me to bring an expertise to online businesses, um, but I've really been able to come down to my zone of genius as an operations and efficiency expert. Awesome. And I love that you talked about all of the different hats you kind of wore and what you did in your business to get to where you are now, because it's always a journey. And I think sometimes we miss that if we're not, you know, really closely following someone from the beginning. Yeah. It was a lot, but I am really glad that through every single position, I really had more confirmation that this is a specific area and I just have to get closer to doing that to really be in that zone of genius. All right. So today we're talking about some hard truths that seven-figure influencers aren't telling us. Yes. Um, so I'd love to know kind of why it is that we think these big influencers uh, have it all together and why do we see that as the picture of what we aim to be in our businesses? Yes. So I think the biggest reason is because most of us live online. We are constantly engaging on social media and we're seeing their feeds and their sponsored ads. So the people that are most likely to get in front of us have the money to spend to do that. Um, and so we're seeing them all the time. We're probably seeing a very uh, manicured background, amazing outfits. We're seeing them travel all around the world. You know, we're seeing rub elbows with other seven-figure influencers. So it's kind of like I keep coming back to in other industries, you know, if you have Hollywood, like the people that have made it to the top and have the most money each year coming in are the ones that you're going to be seeing all the time. And that's going to just start to be the success you want to see um, because it's in front of you all the time. So I see it as seven figure influencers are often equivalent to, you know, the top models or the Hollywood actors that we, you know, that people aspire to be because you're, seeing them constantly all the time. So they position themselves as the authorities in our industry. Um, it seems we sometimes believe, it's, it's definitely not true, but we believe that they've overcome the problems that we all are facing. So um, small business owners I work with all the time, myself included, I've had these same struggles of how do we get more clients? How do we consistently have clients coming in? How do we make seven figures? Um, how do we have a stable business? How can we get more visibility? Um, all these are the challenges that oftentimes we don't think that seven-figure influencers are facing where we think they've risen above them. And so I think that's how we start to believe that they have it all together and that they're just living in bliss. Yeah. And today we're talking about, you know, three things specifically that, you know, we're really not seeing, but that are true of these people because they did, you know, have to come up in this online world or whatever it is that they're doing just like we did. Yes. Okay. So can you share what the first one of those is? Yeah. So 
my first truth, well, before I do that, is it cool if I define a seven-figure business? Sure, that'd be great. I found a lot of people aren't completely behind the, the real definition. So a seven-figure business is a business who has generated a million dollars or more in gross revenue each year. Okay, so gross revenue, uh, most of my clients that work with me are creative, so the nitty-gritty of it, I'll keep it very brief, is gross revenue is just the total amount of money that comes in through your business, no matter how much is going out. And then your net revenue is how much of the money stays in the business. So once you pay out your contractors, once you pay out for ads, for travel, for affiliates, for mailing packages to your clients to thank them, all of that stuff is going to cut away at that overall revenue. So a seven-figure business owner doesn't necessarily mean that the person is actually a millionaire. Um, They might not be a millionaire because the overall money that's coming into their business might not be staying in their business. And it it's even more likely if it's not staying in their business that it's not even making it into their personal bank account and impacting how much money they have to build a house or to you know do whatever they do on their personal life. So truth number one is that you might actually be more profitable than a seven-figure business owner. Um, as I just explained, that seven-figure business owners are determined by that gross revenue, that overall coming in each year. Um, if your expenses are very low and you have profit coming into your business and you're paying yourself out and you're able to pay your taxes and stay on top of all of those expenses, and again, that you want to make sure that you're having that profit, you could actually be more profitable than a seven-figure influencer. You might not be seen everywhere. You might not be you know, the person everyone's like, oh my gosh, they made it, but you could be more profitable. I know different stages in my journey. I had been, you know, looking after certain people and then their businesses went bankrupt or they tanked. And I realized that my business was more profitable than theirs the whole way. I just wasn't a seven figure business owner. So I say that to encourage you, but also to give you the responsibility of you need to really be looking into how much your expenses are, you know, how to get more profits um, and really getting that in check. All right. So I think this one is really encouraging and it's something we definitely do not see because we're looking at it like, okay, they had this launch, they made a million dollars in it and that's awesome. I'll never be there, but we aren't seeing all of the money they had to spend to get that million dollars to come into their business. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I've heard of different businesses that, you know, come tax season, you, you, you're spending all this throughout a year and come beginning of the following year, there's some businesses that didn't account for their taxes. So after they spent all of this out on trying to have these successful launches, like you're saying, um, if they didn't plan for those taxes by the end of the year, they might not have a sustainable business to pay that off. And so um, we really don't know what's behind that, the financials of a seven-figure influencer. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you found that they might be spending money on that we are not spending money on yet in our businesses? Like, where is all that going? The biggest one I keep hearing about, and I've seen some, I've worked with some clients who are definitely among this space, um, has been travel. So you really like visibility is a whole different level when you are bringing in seven figures um, or close to seven figures because you're now going to conferences primarily to interact with people and you're going to special, you know, overseas mastermind trips. And so 
travel can definitely build up. Um, hopefully, you're also making a pro you know making sales out of that and making connections. Um, but I do know like travel often can also be confused with like personal expenses. So you can probably justify that travel more saying like, oh, I could go on a vacation with my family too while I do it and just write it off on the business. And, you know, I'm not going to get into accounting and, and all of those nitty gritties, but travel comes to mind first and foremost when I hear that. Ad spend definitely is extremely higher um, than a six-figure or five-figure business owner would likely be spending, especially if you're focusing in on group courses and, you know, the many-to-one model. Um, those are the two main ones I can think of. I have heard, I don't know the specifics or even who it was, but talking about ad spend, you know, how much someone has to spend in ads to yes. make the money they bring in is, it's really a big chunk of what that money is actually going to cover is the ads that brought the people in, in the first place. And I don't think we see that necessarily yeah. if you're not doing ads, if you're not really playing around with that because you don't realize how much it can cost. Right. I've gotten a few sponsored ads that have come up to webinars and I've joined a few that were sharing about, you know, have a six figure, seven figure launch, you know, put all this work into one moment. And I can often take the um, skeptical approach because I work on the back ends of businesses and often am monitoring the financials of like a launch and different things like that. So I'm automatically starting to wonder like how much are you paying for your leads and how much of a return and how much, you know, did all of this, like how much did you refund anybody on your launch? Like, where are you getting that exact number? And we're not, one thing that I wish that we had is more of um, like a checks and balances in the industry because anyone can go online and they say they made this amount on a launch, but we don't know, you know, what that accounted for. Like you're saying, how much did you spend on ads? How much did you walk away with and how much went into your bank account? You know, your personal bank account at the end of everything. Part of what it takes to run a successful online business is having the right tools for the job. I'm sharing a list of all of the tools I use in my business in my toolbox. And you can find that at lemonandthesea.com slash my dash toolbox to download it now. These include tools that I use for podcasting, designing, running my business, and other things. So you can get a real inside look at everything that I use every day in order to serve my clients well and grow my business. Again, you can find that at lemonandthesea.com slash my dash toolbox. Do you have any tips as we're building our businesses to make sure that we don't fall into this trap where we're spending more money than we might be bringing in and we're not having the finances to cover our taxes at the end of the year? So if my first place I'd suggest people start, especially if you want to do the DIY route, is go read Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. Um, he breaks it down really easy. Um, into different percentages and just gives a lot of great examples of businesses who have followed the system. Um, but he basically, his system sets it up so that you walk away in your business and everything comes down to the profit first, which is, you know, exactly what it says it is. But um, I follow it in my own business. I have all of my clients, like I highly recommend it and a lot of them choose to follow it too. Um, but that way you are setting up for your business, you know, how much you need to make, how much you, you can spend, like everything is just broken out for you, kind of like the old fashioned envelope system, but it's all done in a modern way for your business. 
Awesome. And I think that makes a lot of sense because often, even in a smaller business, you find that at the end of the month, you don't have the money to pay yourself to put it into your personal bank account because you've spent it on other things. And it sounds like this would be a way to really look at that and make sure you're paying yourself what you need to be making in order to make your business really, you know, worth the time and effort you're putting in. Yeah. It, it's been amazing for my own business because I used to do what I think a lot of people probably do as a solopreneur. I used to just um, take out my expenses, pay my taxes. I kept all that separate. And then I would just transfer the rest of the money into my personal bank account like it was my salary. And what I wasn't accounting for was those rainy days or needing to invest back in the business. I was being extremely frugal on what I spent money on in my business. So it might be unique to a lot of other business owners. But with this system, there's five different areas that you're putting your money into constantly. And you're making sure that you are investing money back in your business. You set it apart for tax time, like everything is accounted for. And I've also found, and this is extremely important as a business owner, it's easy and quick to make decisions on what you're going to spend your money on because you know exactly how much you can spend. So I've found that it's really freeing. A lot of people think having you know, a financial plan or a budget is not freeing, but I've found it's the opposite because I'm not getting distracted. I'm automatically knowing, okay, I have this much in my operating expense account and um, my priorities for this year are, you know, A, B, and C. Does that opportunity actually further what these priorities are and make sense with the money I have? So, um, and all of that, it's, it's been very freeing for me and it's allowed me to set up a stable, profitable business too as a result. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so what is the second truth? Yeah, so this one is huge, and I, I think it's definitely just another encouraging one. This one is that they may not have it all figured out either, and I, I'm going to add a little piece in there too in a second, but the influencers that you're looking up to were where you are at a different time, okay? So keep this in mind. Um, we all follow you know, Amy Porterfield and Jenna Kutcher and tons of different influencers. I'm not going to focus directly on them, but it is good to keep in mind that at the time where they were, where you are, um, there were different algorithms for marketing and social media. There were different best practices for just about everything online. Conversion rates were different. The network was different. So as you're following different people, I want you to know that they might, you know, be complete, like they're the authority in their space, but they may not exactly know where you are right now. Um, so as this space is a very young business space, this online marketing world, Things are changing so fast every day. Your biz bestie, who is at the same level as you, might actually have better insight into what your business needs right now than someone who made it years ago. I'm not saying that they're completely irrelevant or you shouldn't follow them. I'm just saying that you might get really good advice from someone who's in your same shoes or is only one step ahead of you um, because they are more aware of the challenges that you're facing that are specific to where you're at at this time. And then part of that too is them not having it all figured out either is that where they're at in their business, um, there's new challenges for them. They are still navigating, you know, how to stay relevant because 
they're often times talking to people who aren't in the same space that they are and are noticing that everything is different from where they were years ago, that they're often concerned about being irrelevant. So how do they speak to the person who is trying all the same social media tactics that led to their success, but it's not working for them now because Instagram's changed. So it, it all goes hand in hand with, you know, the times are changing, the challenges you're facing today are new. So um, navigating those, you really need to make sure that you're looking to people who know what they're talking about in relation to those challenges. Yeah, I think that's really helpful insight because things change so fast in the online world. And I think once you've hit a certain level, you know, it's pretty easy to continue to bring people in because you are in front of those people. But for somebody who's coming up and trying to do that same thing, it's going to look very different now than it might have even a year ago in the platforms you need to be on and how you need to show up and the tactics that people are using. Um, I think that's all changing. It used to be all about, you know, you need to do this specific thing. And now, you know, that's kind of irrelevant because people are tired of it. And so now it's on to the next. I have a specific example. When I first started out in the online world in 2015, I was working with Oracle um, Marketing Cloud and um, I was, you know, their content manager, social media manager, et cetera. And I was being told And this strategy was passed down from a mega um, content marketing agency who is phenomenal and has changed with the times. But at the time, this strategy was working to post up to 10 to 12 different times a day on every single social media platform. So you hit every single time zone. And so, you know, I was taking one blog post and trying to change everything so that when you went to a page, it was um, not all the same post, of course. But now that looks incredibly different because people start to get annoyed when you're, you know, showing the same thing or when you're in front of them all the time, but not giving them value. So um, now that, you know, the strategy has changed to show up and, you know, be available for them and make sure that you're giving them something, you know, for free and, you know, et cetera. But I'm just always looking back to all the things that I was implementing back then, none of them would work now. And so if you're not, you know, if an influencer is not staying up to date with everything and hopefully experiencing those things themselves, then it's not going to help you out as much. Yeah. I think it's also a good reminder that you need to know your audience and what it is that they're looking for. And you need to be authentic to who you are because it's a lot easier to show up that way and to put the effort into the right places if you're doing it in a really authentic way as opposed to just checking things off the list because you feel like you need to. Yeah, definitely. All right. What is the third truth that we were going to talk about today? Okay. So the third one is bring in seven figures or any uh, like super high amount of money. You can name it, whether it's a hundred thousand, 50,000, whatever it is for you. Bringing in that amount of money and one launch may not be the one you're looking for. Okay. So I say this because I've worked with many clients who, when we talk about their dreams or their vision, what is success for you? If it's a short-sighted vision, like one launch, and they come to me and say, you know, I want to make $1.5 million on this launch, that that's phenomenal. So I would come and make sure that the business 
is sustainable. So if you are not currently making anywhere near that amount of money, um, this plan might not be sustainable if you don't have the systems and operations in place. You know, to have a launch like that and have that success, people are going to keep coming back to you for more. People might start emailing you, you know, out the wazoo. You're going to have tons of people buying into that. So if you have any glitches in your launch and people start emailing you and you don't have the capacity to handle all of that, your business is going to likely end up with a really bad reputation and it might actually burn your business rather than launch it forward. So um, that's one of those reasons. Um, there's no way to keep keep momentum for that kind of success if you don't have a plan in place. So if all you know is you want to make that much money on that next launch, but you haven't been strategic and how you're going to keep that momentum up, how you're going to turn those clients that bought into that one launch into, you know, continuing clients, then you might end up feeling even more dissatisfied or again, might have trouble. Yeah. Just keeping a sustainable business, keeping it moving forward. So Ultimately, you need operation support and a plan to main, maintain that success. Okay. So what are the types of things that we might want to have in place before we look at going into, you know, a bigger launch than we've done before, whatever that might look like monetarily? Yeah. So I first, I always, and every thing I do with, with my clients and with my own business is I evaluate what have you already done? So if you haven't looked at your metrics, um, so metrics being, you know, your numbers for everything. So um, for your past launch, we want to look at how much you made. We want to look at how much you spent. We want to look at, you know, break that down even further. What did you spend it on? How well did that work? You really want to take um, what you've put your efforts into previously and look at what worked for you because what worked for you is very unique. It's going to be unique compared to everyone else, even if, you know, your best friend did this kind of launch and it went this way. You want to know really well what your business has done, what hasn't worked and what has worked. So you start with evaluating it and tracking those metrics um, and then tweaking them lightly to increase, you know, the results of your launches. So that's one, really evaluating and tracking metrics. Um, two, I encourage every business to have a strategic map. So you want to have a clear um, vision and you want to know how you're going to get there. So this for myself and my clients was a game changer. I used to implement operations and systems or systems and workflows um, for the operations of businesses. And what I started noticing was um, if there wasn't an overall plan for the year, a map for the year of where business wanted to go, including launches, including ongoing client work, including you know, everything that you need to know for your year, I started finding that a lot of our efforts, um, like launches, kind of just didn't necessarily make sense with everything we we were doing in that year. So what ended up happening was the return on the investments were low. Um, a lot of times we wouldn't actually use that launch to catapult another part of the business or a longer term plan. Um, so a strategic map has been very pivotal for that for myself and for clients so that your launch is a strategic part of your overall year and where you're trying to go for you know this year and the next upcoming three years. Okay. So we've been talking about launches and, and looking at what's worked in the past for you, but what if somebody has never had a launch before? Like what might they start thinking about as far as the systems they need in place and what to look at to make sure that their business can handle what they're trying to put out there? Yeah. So for this, I mean, you can come at this from a lot of different directions, but 
I, I think the first piece is taking a look at the time frame. So a, a launch is essential, I guess, if we're, we're backtracking to someone's never done it. A launch is really important for you because you want to build momentum for whatever you're selling. So a lot of people think at, of launches behind, you know, like um, a course online. That's what I see the most of um, being shared with us by sponsored ads, but it could be anything. It could be a one-to-one -one service that you're launching. It could be a blog. It could be your YouTube channel. You know, a launch really doesn't have to be this scary six letter word. It can just mean, you know, this is the day you're taking off. So um, you want to, on the back end, you're working all the time before that to get everything in place. Um, I love using a project management tool. Um, personally, I use Asana. You can really navigate a launch with about any other project management tool, but I choose Asana when I work with multiple contractors on a team. Um, and so in that, you want to start looking at whatever it is that you're going to sell. Let's go with you're going to sell a new one-to-one -one service because that's what I work with um, in my own business the most. And so you have this awesome new service. You've talked to your clients. It's fulfilling the need that they all have. Um, and you, you really want to bring in more eyes to see it. So you're also going to be advertising it to your current clients and telling them, but you're going to be wanting to bring in new, new prospects. So we want to start with when is it viable for you to, you know, start selling this service. And so we're going to start with that date as our launch date, and then we're going to plan backwards from that. And so if it's your first time and you're working on your own, we want to keep it really simple. So you just want to take a look at, you know, what, how are you going to show up and tell people about this? That'll be your visibility. And how much money can you put into this, you know, before you launch? Um, if you're going to do ads, if you're for one-to-one -one service, you're probably not doing ads at all. But, um, you know, how much money can you put into graphics, into working with having people work with you, et cetera. And you can track all of that in a project management tool. Um, I have my own launch boards built out that I use with clients. So um, I'd be happy to work with you and just share what I've learned over the years of doing launches. But you can make it fairly simple and just starting to get the word out and starting to get the word out and telling people. Um, and then you want to track who's interested, you know, jump on and do face calls so that you can get to know them and tell them more about it. But that's really where I'd start with if you've never done it before and you want to get your toes wet. And then I'd also say with a launch, um, if it's your first launch, just you know, breathe throughout it, give yourself more than enough time. So if you think it's going to take a month, give yourself like two months so that you're not stressing out and, and having to delay it. You want to deliver on the, the time you set. Um, but know that since it's your first one, it's, it's not going to go perfect and it doesn't have to, but you can learn from it. So you, you want to track those metrics as you go again, um, see what worked for you, see what didn't. And then if you are building everything out in your project management tool, you want to make sure you, you know, document and evaluate everything in there. So the next time you do a launch, you can somewhat replicate most of the process and just make a few tweaks. So it's really easy the next time. Yeah. Thanks for talking about that. I think when we think of a launch, because we've seen all of these seven figure launches online, we think, oh, I've got to have all of this. I've got to have ads and multiple webinars and I've got to have all these funnels and stuff, but it doesn't necessarily have to look like that. Yeah. I used to feel the same. Launches to me seemed like this really scary thing that you had to have it all together and you couldn't, you know, go to sleep at your normal time and you were up late nights. But I just realized a launch is building momentum before you release something and you can really build it how you want, um, whatever is authentic to you and your business and really will reach your clients. Okay. 
So when we think about making seven figures in our business, you know, is this a goal people should be going after? Is there a better way to think about, you know, measuring success in business? Yeah, um, I definitely think there are better ways to measure success. Basically, again, success is different for every single person. And my biggest concern is, is I've had clients come to me and their main goal is to make seven figures. And I don't by any means think that's a bad goal to have. Um, I think that's an awesome way to measure success. But if you, again, if you make those seven figures and then by the end of the year, come tax time, realize you don't have any money going into your bank account and you're paying out money for taxes, like that's not success for anybody because you're now in debt or your, your business hasn't made any money. So um, I think you can be setting yourself up for great disappointment if you go in with that idea um, and you know have completely the opposite. You might be in a worse position than you were in the year before. So I really encourage people um, to start kind of just painting a picture and not putting it behind just that number of, you know, uh, seven figures to reach, but paint a picture of where you want to be in a year. When I work with clients, we, we look at three years even from now. We don't look further than that because so much can change, but like I want to know how much time are you spending with your family or how much time are you spending on vacation or how much of your business is depending on you. Um, I want to know, can you, you know, suddenly rely on a team, even if you don't have one, hope that might be your goal to take care of the business while you go on a road trip through Europe. You know, like all those things I think should be thought of when it comes to success. Um, even how much are you having to um, spend time on YouTube videos and how much time are you spending writing blog posts? Because if you don't like doing that, success might mean having enough money to hire someone else to do it. So just saying I want seven figures, I think a lot of people actually do have an image in their mind of what that means. You, we just want to draw it out. We want to actually know, okay, how do we break this down and what does that seven figure lifestyle look like to you? Um, because we can set up systems and operations and, and take these strategies that either you already have or you're investing in, and we can make sure that we're getting an amazing return on investment for them so that you can have that, you know, that picture or that vision that you want for the future. Yeah, I think that's so important. And I feel like for a lot of us, that seven-figure lifestyle that we're looking at might not actually mean that we have to bring in seven figures. We might be able to get there with less money just based on what it is that we are really truly trying to do in our business and what we yeah. want from our life. Yeah. I, I worked with a business that um, has been a really good model of success for me. And it was, um, it's a woman who's doing what she truly loves. She's teaching people um, different speaking techniques and helping them get on, you know, stages all around the world. And when I worked with her, her business was very simple. Um, and simplicity is huge for me. One less thing is based on that. You know, how can we simplify everything, reduce your stress, reduce being overwhelmed, all of that. And so um, she had a business that, you know, made a lot, a lot of money. I don't exactly know her total revenue, um, but I know that, you know, she had no issue with, you know, expenses with all of that. And she had her business so simplified that she only had to hire one person to manage 
the back end, and she wasn't involved in that at all. So she truly got to um, travel around the world, do one-on-one consulting and teaching people and corporations how to, you know, speak to large audiences, and that was it. And it was such a simple business. It was incredibly profitable, um, but I never mistook her for somebody who is just trying to have this, you know, um, elaborate seven-figure influencer style, what I think when I think of that. Um, Her business was just super simple, um, and so it's been something that I've based my business model off of so that I don't, you know, have that chaos and overwhelm that can come with a growing business. Yeah, that's awesome. So you told us that you are an operations and efficiency expert, so I'd love if you could tell us a little bit more about what it is that you help people with and when it might be the right time for a business to hire somebody like you. Awesome. So I specialize, um, as I say, in operations and efficiency. And so I do this with strategic mapping. And so um, with that systems and workflows, and then I also join on teams um, to help manage those teams. Some of my clients are solopreneurs, some have teams. um, But basically, I help reach the vision that they want to get to. So whether, as we were talking about what these different levels of success are, I help businesses get there. So I do that um, through mapping out how we're going to get there. I break down what projects do we need to focus on to get there. And then even further, I'm a very detail-oriented person. Um, I break down, you know, who's doing what, if it's, you know, someone you're hiring out, someone we need to hire, um, if it's just the solopreneur on the team or they already have teammates, we look at who's doing what, when everything's happening. And so we take a look at the entire year and we map out, okay, what are we focusing this quarter? Um, for one of my recent clients, we really focused on getting their Facebook group running so that the business owner didn't have to be involved in it a lot. So our first quarter that we took a look at, we mapped out all of that and we mapped out who on the team needed to be, you know, handling the engagement on that. And we mapped out, you know, um, how much was going to be spent on ads and things like that. And so um, I really helped break all of that down. A lot of um, the people I work with are creatives, um, are visionaries. And so they don't like those detail-oriented things. They just want to say, this is where I want to go. Help me get there, Ellen. And so that's that's really what it comes down to. Um, and I just make sure that there's clarity on a team um, or clarity for a solopreneur so that they know what they need to do when it's getting done and really just at the end of the day know that it's all getting done and not have to panic about that um, or worry that, you know, the business is just not going to get to where they're going. So I give them that confidence with, with the systems that I provide. Um, and then I also have a really high touch service that I work with, um, with VIP clients. And so I work in their business doing all these same things. Um, but I really oversee their teams a lot more. I meet with their team members, troubleshoot if anything's going wrong. I'm gonna make sure that all the systems and um, projects are on track to reach the company vision. So that's what I do as a um, operations and efficiency expert. I love it. Um, really, yeah, taking the overwhelm and turning it into calm so that things can run efficiently. Okay. And when would somebody consider working with you or somebody who does what you do in their business? Yeah, so it really comes down to if you are ready to make strategic decisions in your business, it's a good time. If you're ready to see a better return on your investments, it's a good time. Um, If you're ready to empower yourself or if you might have a few contractors to stay focused and reach your goals more efficiently, again, it's a great time. Um, A lot of 
clients come to me when they are ready to be more of a CEO rather than, you know, juggling all the hats and emailing people all the time to make sure things are going um, accordingly to how they planned. And so when you're ready to become the CEO of your business, it's perfect time. That's really what I'd say. It's, I haven't run into the, I'm trying to think if there's been someone who it's been too early to work with me at all. Um, I, there was someone who was brand new into business and they came across me and they really just didn't have a clear idea of where they wanted to go. So if you don't have a vision for your business, that's when I would say you need to focus on that, know where you want to go and have somewhat of an idea of the services or products that you're providing to your clients before you would work with someone like me. All right. That's awesome. So as we wrap up um, this discussion, can you give listeners three action steps that they could take today to, you know, do something about what we've talked about? Yes, I definitely can. So my first one is um, I want you to build a solid foundation for your business. So you might already have this. A lot of businesses that I work with have never done this is identify your mission, your vision and your values. Even if you're tense about this, I used to not like them, but you really want to have these in place because these are going to be the foundation for everything you do in your business. Um, I do have a guide that I'll share with you personally. So if you want that, um, you can reach out to me on my Instagram at one less thing MGMT. Um, I'll just share it directly with you, but it walks you through how to do it. It's like a quick video tutorial. And then um, I give you a project management board that you can build yours out in, but that will shape you know, all the decisions you make, who you hire, that'll shape where you're going. Um, and it'll make it so that it's very clear when you are selling to people or just talking to people about what you are doing. So um, I really, I think every business absolutely needs that. And if they don't have it, um, that's the first thing you need to prioritize. Um, my second goes along with what we shared earlier, but know your financial goals. So again, you can read profit first. I know that um, Samantha just um, shared again, Kristen Kaplan's episode on pricing your services. I highly recommend um, listening in on that, but know your specific goals and don't base them off of others because by, at the end of the day, what matters is that you are making a profit or you're not. And so that would be my second. And then my third is I want you to have your blinders on and I want you to stay focused on your business. So it's so easy to get distracted. I mean, people are paying tons of money specializing in how to distract us and how to make us want what they're selling. Um, but I really, really want to encourage you to, to know that your vision and your dreams for your business are enough. Um, so with that, we just want to make sure that you know how you're going to get there. So if you'd like to work with me, I would love to help you build out your one less thing map so that you can stay focused, you can defeat the shiny object syndrome, and you can provide clarity um, for your business. So I want to see you reach your vision, and it's my mission to make that happen. So those would be my three. Awesome. So we always wrap up with the same four questions. And the first one is, can you give an example of how serving your clients well has benefited your business? Yeah. So just in that serving my clients well has led to tons of referrals. Um, with every client I work with, um, I always follow up with them on completing a service and ask them, you know, did we meet all of the goals that you had set for working with me? And so with that, I then ask, do you know anyone else who's struggling with some of those same challenges? Cause I'd love to work with them. So by serving my clients extremely well, 
by over delivering, I always make sure to promise only what I can make sure I can deliver. Um, and then I always add something extra to really, you know, reward and love on my clients. Um, once I've done that, my clients have been talking about me and sharing about me. And so um, that's just benefited my business. And it's also simplified things because I started my business so that I could really serve clients extremely well and help them in their businesses. Um, and as a result, they can go and you know share about me rather than me having to spend a ton of money on um, strategies and plans for visibility and all of that. Yeah. I also love that you ask if they know of anyone who needs your services because I think a lot of us are afraid to do it, but yeah. if someone loved working with you, they want to spread the word. <laughs> yeah. And they want to, yeah, they want to give their friends or their, you know, biz besties the same help that they received. And so I found that's really worked and I found the people that come to you next are extremely excited to work with you more than, you know, someone else who is a bit of a colder lead. Um, because they already know what you're going to give them and they know that it worked for their friends. So it's been the best way I've found to, to get clients for my business and just create a business that I love even more. Awesome. So tell me two things that you're loving right now. They can be business or life. Yeah. So my business one is something new in the last year that I discovered about myself is that I love leading workshops in person. And one of the biggest challenges I've found with clients and just working in the online space is follow through and making holding people accountable. And so I've been leading some workshops locally here in Springfield, Missouri. And um, I carve out the space to introduce a business concept or um, whatever we're going to work on. And then I carve out the time for people to get it done. So it's been awesome just to connect with people in person. I, I'm planning on continually doing this and um, I'm just really, really loving it. Um, I love the in-person connection. And then my life one is I've been baking tons of things lately with summer. I've had a lot more time on my hands. And so I've been baking like fallen chocolate cake, um, Spanish croquetas, like all these different things I've had that I've loved and um, I'm getting to share them with friends. And then we're eating a lot of them in house too. So um, I probably should start loving exercise as much as I'm baking <laughs> right now. Okay, so what are you excited for that's coming up in the future? As I was thinking about this one, um, I was reviewing our fa family financial plan um, and about that same time period. And so retirement was the first one that came up. Um, prior to this year, my family hadn't really focused in on retirement. Um, and we just had our first son and we were just thinking about that more and more and where we're putting our savings. And so it's further, way further off in our future, but um, I'm really excited about that because now that we have a financial plan in place and have really been proactive with our family life, um, I just can start envisioning with like compound interest and all of that. I'm talking to all my friends about this too. You know, our retirement can be much better than, than if we hadn't started planning for it this year. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's not something a lot of us as entrepreneurs think about, but I love that you're starting early. Yeah. If y'all are listening and are curious, just send me a message on social media and I'd love to talk to you about it too. And I have some awesome books I'd recommend that we really based our financial plan off of. All right. So where can people find you online if they want to connect? Yeah. So um, my website is one less thing management. So it's mgmt.com. And then both of my, I'm on Instagram and Facebook too. I mean, you can find me at those handles. So it's just one less thing, MGMT. 
And then I also launched a blog this um, summer and it's called the Simplify My CEO Life blog. And so you can just type that in and it'll come up. It's simplifymyceolife.com. Um, and I've really just loved having a long form way of sharing um, different ideas and different experiences that I've had along the way of simplifying my business and the businesses that I work with. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about this and kind of getting the the real deal behind these seven figure businesses that a lot of us see and look up to. Yeah, I really love talking about it. So thank you for having me, Samantha. Thanks for listening to Process to Profitability. Please take a minute to leave an honest review in iTunes so that I can help more small business owners and creative entrepreneurs find the show.